I'm Warren Smith, and today you'll be listening in on part two of my two-part conversation with pastor, writer, and ministry leader, Rick Warren. Here's the original painting of Spurgeon, who was the greatest preacher of the 19th century. He led my great-great-grandfather to Christ, sent him to America as a church planter. So I have a lot of handwritten stuff. This is Spurgeon's famous handwritten letter on depression. If you listened to part one of my conversation with Rick Warren, you probably picked up that he doesn't do anything by half measure. He's kind of a go big or go home kind of guy. And that goes for his library. It's probably no surprise that Rick Warren has a love for books. His father was a pastor and seminary teacher, and his mother was a librarian and bookstore manager. Rick says that he started collecting books at age 14, and for most of his life, he says, he read a book a day. But this library is truly next level. It's a huge room crowded with bookcases, but also with artifacts that represent important historic figures in the Christian church. It's as much a museum as it is a library. Now, I think we do a pretty good job of describing the library as we walk through it, but if you would like to see it, including the secret door passage that gets us out of Rick's office into this library, I shot a short video that you can find at my Twitter feed. Just go to at Warren Cole Smith on Twitter, and I'll have that video pinned to the top of my feed. I took this tour of Rick Warren's library back in November, and you can go along right after this short message. Now We Live invites and equips Christians to propel faith into action. This free worldview Bible study will spark rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions. These six videos from Summit Ministries offer life-on-life discipleship for churches, small groups, and families. Get free access today at summit.org slash listening in. Well, uh, Warren, we're in the RKW building, which is the foundation buildings of Rick and Kay Warren. And uh, when Purpose Driven Life sold, it's, it's now in English over 60 million copies. It's still selling a million a year. And it has two Guinness World Records. Uh, one of them is it's the most translated book in the world except for the Bible. So it's now in over 200 languages. So that brought in enormous amounts of money. And honestly, it scared me because I'm a simple guy. I know what wealth can do to people and how it can get you off base. But when you write a book and the first four words are, it's not about you, then you know the money's not for you. So we just gave it all away. But we put it in a couple foundations. One's called Acts of Mercy, which started with um, helping people with HIV and AIDS. Because they're kind of like the lepers of the 21st century. Jesus would have hung out with them. Uh, But then it morphed into helping vulnerable women and children and orphan care. And then, of course, when Matthew died, we started doing uh, mental health issues. So on 
on that side of the building, Kay has her staff and in Acts of Mercy, we do, she does all kinds of mental health meetings, conferences, resources, and stuff like that. This side of the building is called Equipping Leaders. And it's my foundation, which has allowed me for almost 30 years to travel around the world and train pastors in little villages you've never heard of. And so we never charge anything. I take a team with me. I pay for all my travel, all our meals. We, I've never, I don't accept an honorarium. I haven't accepted an honorarium in 30 years. Well, and Rick, let me just say, um, you've spoken at a couple of events for me. I've tried to pay you. I've tried to pay for your travel. You've refused it. Yeah, I just, I just want to just make sure that. Okay, well, let, let's just walk out here first. Uh, this is kind of some fun stuff. This is what I call, these are my bobblehead collection. It's the decline of great Christian preaching. So we start here with Luther, and we got uh, Calvin, we got Wesley, and Spurgeon, and Billy Graham, Dr. Martin Luther King. We got Mother Teresa, Pope John Paul. Then we got Davy, uh, Chuck uh, Norris, Duck Dynasty, and me at the end, which it really falls off the bottom here, okay? Really falls off the bottom. I did, uh, most people don't know this, I did, I have a platinum album. I did an album called The Invitation where I shared how to come to Christ and had Christian friends like Amy Grant and Stephen Curtis Chapman uh, sing between it, and it, it sold over a million copies. These are, this wall has all of our magazine covers. I put Kay's magazine covers on this side uh, by the fire hydrant because she's hot. Okay, so all K's are on this side. These are just different, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 different magazine covers. Here's one. This is Missions USA. Rick Warren, zero to 4,000 in eight years. Here's Kay and me. Here's Josh, he, his little boy. Matthew's not even in this picture. Matthew, Josh is 40. Amy's 42. Now, this is the one that came out on the cover, People After a Son's Suicide. Um, different magazines. This was, uh, this is an English magazine when I did the, the debate between Obama and McCain, and pastor and kingmaker. Uh, Publishers Weekly. It's not just a book, it's a movement. And as I said, now it's over 60 million copies. This was Matthew's favorite thing. It's Brad Pitt and me on the cover of Newsweek. And, and he goes, I call this the hero and the zero, okay? He's the stud, I'm the dud. Yeah. Rick, let me just ask you a quick question. Were y'all, were y'all in the physical, is that Photoshopped or were y'all physical no, in we the same place? We, we, did a, we, did a, we, did a photo, we did a photo shoot together. Brad Pitt and I, these, it was like 15 people who make America great, giving back awards. But he, see, it looks like I'm just, he said, Dad, did you Photoshop this? Or did you photobomb? It's like, where's Waldo? And I said, he said, like he said, can you get any smaller than this? I said, yes. Here on Time Magazine, the 25 most influential evangelicals. See, you can cover me up. I'm at the top, but it's, you can cover me with the thumb. Now, they did this one here, uh, Purpose Driven Pastor, which was a cover of Time Magazine. And it was funny. I had just that week had had nose surgery and split the stitches wrestling with my grandkids. And you can see the scar in my nose there. Now, what's funny is that Newsweek had me on their cover here. So I was on the cover of Time twice. I was on the cover of Newsweek twice. Um, After this one, they did an article and a cover called The Death of Christian America. And I wrote him a pretty scathing letter. I said, you guys will be dead and in the water, but the church is the only thing that's going to last forever. And it's, you're, you're wrong. Well, th- at the end of that year, Newsweek actually went bankrupt. 
and actually went out of print for a while. And on the last issue, they did a hit piece on me, which it says, Rick Warren rises again. And if you don't look down here at the bottom, here's this big picture of Genghis Khan. It's got the same kind of mustache that I've got. Rick Warren rises again. It's it's a hunt for Genghis. This is a badge of honor. Yeah, I did. You know, actually, you don't really know what Genghis Khan looked like. No, we don't. We don't. But but Rick Warren rises again in that big picture. So that was fun. So I love that. Uh, Down here... In uh, in this hall, we have some of the over 200 translations. They're not all up right now of purpose-driven life in different languages. Yeah, and uh, one of them downstairs is in uh, Braille. Rick, we've got to go in the kitchen here for a moment. Okay. uh, I did not know this until this afternoon when I came here for the first time and saw your hot sauce collection. I mean, this is amazing. Well, I've got uh, hundreds and hundreds of kinds of hot sauce here. They're all categorized. These are all about it's hot going in and it's hot coming out. Uh, These are all here about uh, hell and death. This is your Satan's slow burn, hot sauce from hell, last rites. Here's tongues of fire. This is my spiritual shelf. I have a political shelf over here. It's got uh, uh, hot sauce for Clinton and uh, Trump and Hillary and uh, Bob Dole and Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden. Uh, This is my favorite one called hot sauce batch 37. There's a point where pain and pleasure intersect. A new doorway to, to a dimension of central euphoria. Once the fire bones and burns and soothes, once the line is crossed, once the bottle is open, once it touches your lips, there's no going back. Pain is good. Yeah. So I say, I don't just believe in hell, I eat it. Okay. <laughs> That's great. One thing I noticed, though, is maybe you've got it in another collection. Yeah. You know, I'm from North Carolina. Yep. Most people don't know that Texas pea hot sauce comes from. Garner, North Carolina. Well, well, the ghost ghost peppers come out of North Carolina, too. And actually, hot sauces, what makes them hot is is capsaicin. And uh, capsaicin is what they put in pepper spray. And it's judged by what's called Scoville units. For instance, a a bell pepper has no heat. It has eight Scoville units. Jalapeno has 30,000 Scoville units. Habanero, 100,000. I have some hot sauces have over a million. Uh, This... Is uh, I call the James Bond room, uh, but it, it has 12 seats here. This is where our elders met for years. Uh, and we would have, I found my staff is more um, creative about the church when we're not at the church. So I would bring my staff over here a couple miles from the church property um, in different places. This, we, this is a big kitchen. This is our state dining room because... One out of every nine people, South Orange County, goes to Saddleback Church. When I have uh, heads of state and dignitaries, I can't really go to a restaurant because they'll, they'll all, we'll all get recognized. So this is my state dining room. I've had uh, multiple presidents here, kings, queens, head of state, head of the uh, United Nations has been here, the head of the World Bank has been here, um, dignitaries, uh, Tony Blair, prime ministers, different uh, people. And so we come here, and this room here is what we call our map room. And at Saddleback, I've had 500 staff. And what I do is I bring them over here in smaller groups of 20, 30. And um, 
and we have meetings here. And then uh, we our campuses that are overseas, Saddleback Hong Kong, Saddleback Manila, Berlin, things like that, uh, Buenos Aires, we, we put them on the screen. So all of my campus pastors, our 20 campuses, can come and meet here. Then uh, this is... Oh, here, this will be kind of funny. We're standing in front of the men's and women's restroom, and there's a little hand-painted sign over the women's restroom in Arabic with a toilet. I was doing the C.S. Lewis lectures at Oxford and Cambridge, and I get a call from Kay, and she goes, Hi, honey, I'm in London. And I go, What are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Rwanda. She said, Well, I'm sick, and they've put me in the Royal London Hospital. Sounds pretty fancy, but it's actually quite run down. It's in the east end of London, which is the Arabic. Everything is Arabic. And she was there. And they said uh, the healthcare course is free because it's socialized medicine. But she said, it'll take you six weeks uh, to get uh, an ultrasound. I said, no, we're going to put you on the plane, go back to Orange County tomorrow, take you to any clinic and get it done tomorrow. But when we left, I stole this out of her ward. It says in Arabic, diarrhea ward. And so I put it on the women's restroom. <laughs> That's yeah. This is Kay's um, section, or Acts of Mercy, we're coming into here. And uh, these pictures are off the wall right now. But I, I love these pictures because it shows Kay all around the world with different kinds of hair during her chemo. When she was, uh, had frizzy hair or no hair or wearing a wig. She was working at Mother Teresa's in Calcutta. This is an interesting thing right here on the wall. This is the largest humanitarian bill ever approved by the United States. It's called the PEPFAR bill, President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. And here you see, here's President Bush at the time, actually shaking hands with Senator Joe Biden. Uh, And it's here, it's signed by Nancy Pelosi, Robert Byrd, who had Parkinson's, and George Bush. This was a bill which would, was to help people, families, poor families around the world who had a family member dying of AIDS. It was authorized by Bush, and over $75 billion has been given to people, poor people around the world, authorized twice through the Bush campaign, and then twice through, uh, that's just more of Kay's area, twice through um, the uh, Obama Presidency. Then it was reauthorized uh, uh, again by Trump, and then it's been authorized by Biden, and over seventy-five billion given. The reason Kay has the bill, it was her idea. Bush gave her the gave her the bill. Yeah, yeah. So really made a big difference. So she's raised a lot more money than me. <laughs> All right. So let's come back over here. I'm a, kind of a bookaholic. My mother was a librarian and a bookstore manager for a seminary. Mm-hmm. Gave me my first book at 14. And I started reading a book a day. And I have just collected since then. So this, let me show you my library. Okay, good. Now, sometimes if you know one book, it opens the door to... A whole lot of knowledge. So here is Purpose Driven Life. And you open up this book. And oh, look here. Here's a little hidden key a button. Press that button twice really hard. 
Welcome to the Perry Potter Library. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, my word, Rick. Holy cow. Now, everything in here, uh, represents, there's a story behind everything. Uh, it would take me about two hours. Uh, everything in here has something meaningful to me, a part of my ministry, different things that have happened over time. And we're looking at all kinds of statues and valuable things throughout history. Uh I, I don't have time to go through it all, but I have, for instance, like this here is uh, this here is Jonathan Edwards' footstool built from the wood outside his family. Over there, that is the, that is the uh, music stand of Charles Spurgeon. Uh, I have all kinds of, my great-great-grandfather, here's the original painting of Spurgeon, who was the greatest preacher of the 19th century, he led my great-great-grandfather to Christ. No way. Sent him to America as a church planter. My great-great-grandfather was led to Christ by Spurgeon, went to Spurgeon's college, and then came here. So I have a lot of handwritten stuff. This is Spurgeon's famous handwritten letter on depression. John Stott was one of my mentors. This is John Stott's preaching manual right here. And look how tiny the messages yeah. are. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I have... Billy Graham's hat over there that he gave me, his glasses. In the 19th century, they used to make statues to megachurch pastors. They're called Staffordshire. Here's D.L. Moody. Here's Ira Sankey, his worship leader. Spurgeon. Uh, Spurgeon is a young man, Wesley. This box, this looks like an old pirate's chest. Um, my father was a pastor for 50 years, and in here are all of his sermons. Kay's daddy was a pastor for 50 years. Here's all of his sermons. Another one of my mentors, Harry Williams. Um, This is an interesting thing from Amazon. Some missionaries, you see, it's a piece of leather with all kinds of symbols written all over it in a circle. This is a teaching tool. This is the book Purpose Driven Church summarized in basic Amazon hieroglyphic kind of stuff. And they would teach the entire Purpose Driven Church book using this. And they started 17 houseboat churches on the Amazon using this. Isn't that cool? Hey, Rick, I got to ask you a question because actually this is one of the questions that I got from social media. I think your the reputation of your library precedes my visit. Yes. And someone asked me, um, you know, if the place was on fire, is there one book that you would grab before you left? Well, they're not in here. I actually have across the hall a walk-in uh, vault that has the most rare. I have a quarter of a million books, but the most rare books are. This building would burn down, and that that room would not burn down. In it, for instance, I have Luther's commentary on Galatians, signed by Luther. I have a little track written in 1776 from a pastor in England encouraging the people in America, the pastors, to not revolt, and it's against King George. And it says, some friendly advice to our brothers in the colonies. And he said, don't revolt against King George. It's hand signed John Wesley. Yeah. This is what I call my bucket of ministry. Oh, this is uh, one of the Guinness Book of Records I own, uh, not only for purpose-driven life, but the other one is, uh, this is out of date. It's now over 4,500. They sent three uh, uh, judges lived in my library for a week. And do you see all these, see how these have these little uh, gold dots on the bottom? Mm-hmm. Okay, like this particular row has one, two, three, four, five of the books on that row have the gold dot. It means it's hand signed by the author. I have the most books signed by authors. 
and I have them from all over. This is an old Edison uh, that you wind up and do uh, mess songs with or the, before electricity. You could just wind it up. This is an Amish bishop's hat. This is my dissertation, doctoral dissertation. But this guy, the, the, this um, book in, this is John Harvard. And Harvard was the pastor who gave his money and the library to start Harvard University. Now, what most people don't know is that of the 13 Ivy League schools, every single one of them, except Cornell, were started by pastors to train pastors. And none of that's true anymore. But that's John Harvard. Well, before you go, Rick, uh, your doctoral dissertation, read the title real quickly. Uh, New Churches for a New Generation. And it's, it's subtitled, Church Planting to Reach Baby Boomers, a Case Study of Saddleback Valley Community Church. It, this is basically the purpose-driven church in academic form. That's what it was. Uh, this was this award here was given to me by a Russian communist general when the Cold War are still going on for what we're trying to do with the peace plan and what we've done in, in Russia. This is Dante here in the fireplace. So, Josh, my son, put him in the inferno. Uh, we have a lot of interesting things here. This is, this is uh, given to me by the Pope. Here, this is from the Berlin Wall when it fell. This is the slide rule that every one of my mentors gave me something personal. This is Ralph Winter, a missiologist, was, in a, was an engineer, gave me that. My, my mother, this is an interesting little thing. This is the Charter of the United Nations. And you read it says, her handwriting, my mother, I. Warren, Dorothy Warren, attended the voting of the UN Charter on June 26, 1945 in San Francisco, California. That's something. These were given to me by Ming Kai, the um, Alka Indian chief who murdered Jim Elliott. Okay. Um, This was the story here. And I was born in January 54, January 56. Missionary jungle martyrdom. There's a 10-page story here on Elizabeth Elliot and and Rachel Saint and yeah. and all these are the guys who died yep. on the 50th anniversary of that martyrdom. They found the original plane still in the sands in Amazon. I had it brought to America, reassembled and put on stage, and invited Ming Kai to come and Nate Saint translated and he preached at Saddleback. Wow. And all kinds of Native Americans came to Christ. I wonder if that, that Life magazine by yeah. itself is probably worth some real money. Yeah, there. this is interesting here. Look at this Time magazine of 1940. This is a martyr of 1940. And when you come to it, um, well, that's Martin Niemuller. And where is that story? Martin Niemuller. The Martyr of Germany. There's an incredible quote I want to read you here. Here we go. Here's an article in Time magazine about the cover of, uh, and it says, Not you, Herr Hitler, but God is my Fuhrer. These defiant words by Pastor Martin Niemuller were echoed by millions of Germans, and Hitler raged, It's Niemuller or it is I. And this is, now this is 1940. This is before the Holocaust really gets started. And so you come down here and it says, more than 80% of the prisoners in concentration camps are not Jews, but Christians. And the best tribute of the spirit of Germans Christians comes from a Jew and an atheist. Okay. The world's most famous scientist, 
Albert Einstein. He says this, quote, this is Einstein talking, 1940. Being a lover of freedom, when the revolution came to Germany, I looked to the universities to defend it, knowing that they had always boasted of their devotion to the cause of truth. But no, the universities immediately were silenced. Then I looked to the great editors of the newspapers, whose flaming editorials in days gone by proclaimed their love of freedom. But they, like the universities, were silenced in a few short weeks. Only the church stood squarely across the path of Hitler's campaign for suppressing truth. I never had any, this is Einstein, I never had any special interest in the church before. But now I feel great affection and admiration because of their persistence to stand for intellectual truth and moral freedom. And I am forced thus to confess that what I once despised, I now praise unreservedly. Albert Einstein on the church. That's a pretty remarkable testimony right there. Yeah. This is like a Nobel Prize for the Middle East. I don't have time to give you the story, the whole background behind it, given to me by the King of Jordan. But I was there. Um, these are just old books that I have. This is an interesting thing to every nation. Every decade at Saddleback, we've had a 10-year goal. One of the goals between 19, 2000 and 2010 was, why don't we be the first church to go to every nation? Jesus said, go make disciples. Has anybody ever done that? So he said, why don't we do that? Well, I didn't even know how many nations there were. There are 197. There are 195 part of the U.N., the only two nations in the world not a part of the U.N. are Taiwan, because China won't let them in, and Serbia for war crimes. So we said we'll be in all 197 nations by the end of the decade. So we came up with a thing called the Peace Plan, P-E-A-C-E. Plan a church, equip servant leaders, assist the poor, care for the sick, educate the next generation. And over the next 10 years, I sent out 28,000 869 of my members to 197 nations. And on December, excuse me, October 18th, 2010, two months before the deadline of the decadal goal, we went to Nation 197. Little island in the Caribbean called St. Kitts, only 35,000 people, but we planted church. We're the only church to have planted a church in every nation. And so we made a movie about it, and we made this book called To Every Nation, the story of one church going to every nation by the end of 2010. And these pictures, Warren, are taken by our members in each of the 197 countries that we planted a church in. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. This is a crozier, which is a bishop's staff. This is uh, the Babylonian Talmud which was the, the, what the rabbis wrote when, da, when Daniel was in the 70 years of captivity. These are the great Oriental books, the Analects, Confucius, the Dharmapedia, the Tao Ching, okay, um, Bhagavad Gita. These are the great Greek, uh, Euripides, Plato, Aristotle's, uh, Homer, uh, Homer, Epictetus. These are the great Roman Christians, okay, uh, Augustine, uh, Dante, Alighieri, Aquinas. These are the great Russian Christians. Solzhenitsyn, Chekhov, uh, Dostoevsky, Tolstoy. 
these are the great novels of history. Uh, these right here are the great political works of history. These are the great poets of history. These are the great, um, that's uh, political leaders. These are the great uh, philosophers and uh, the great military leaders and uh, the great uh, scientists on that. You'll see on every end I have um, statues. And these are all these people have influenced my life. So, for instance, this is John Bunyan, uh, who rivals the one book that rivals Purpose Driven Life. This is Pilgrim's Progress, every edition. Okay. Spurgeon is still the most published author in the English language. I have all of his books. Before there were baseball cards, there were cigarette cards. And two pastors actually made it in cigarette cards. This one's here, Wesley, and here's Spurgeon. Now, neither of these guys smoke cigarettes. Spurgeon did smoke a pipe, I mean, a, a, a cigar, and on the back of it, he says, I smoke to the glory of God. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. Okay. Uh, here is, uh, here's uh, Tolkien and Lewis. And uh, influence on me. This is W.A. Criswell for 50 years, pastor of First Baptist Dallas, uh, one of my mentors. Uh, here I have, across, looking at it across from each other, across the aisle, this is the Calvin uh, aisle, and here's the Wesley Allen. I've got these statues of both of you guys. I, I make them kiss and make up. I said, they have, they have, you, neither of you got it completely right. You're right on some stuff. You're right on some stuff. So your brothers and the Lord work on it together, okay? <laughs> All right? That's um, this hat. When I was invited to do the uh, inaugural prayer for President Bush, most people didn't even know I did it. It was totally forgotten because it wasn't controversial. <clears throat> I said, if I ever told Kay, it was, it was snowing that day, that, over, that week of inauguration, and I said, if we ever get asked to do this again, I got to get a hat. Four years later, I'm sitting on a plane to get a call from Senator Barack Obama. Now, Barack had been to... Saddleback for an AIDS conference. When I invite a politician, I never invite one. I invite both sides at the same time. So, because I'm not a partisan at all. I've been invited every four years to speak to the pray at the Republican convention and at the Democrat. And I always turn them down because those are political partisan things. But I will pray at a government event because it's a nonpartisan event. So I prayed at President Bush's inauguration. And four years later, Obama, President Obama asked me to pray at his. So then I said, where do you get a hat? I said, well, you got to go up to West Hollywood to get a hat at Mad Hatters. It's where all the... Uh, Orthodox Jews get their, their fedoras. All of them. And um, so I go up to West Hollywood, and I walk in, and the owner looks like Carlos Santana. I go, hey, Carlos. He goes, yeah, I get that all the time. So I explain to him, I got to get a hat. He helps me pick out a beautiful Hamburg hat. I said, I'm never going to I'm not a hat guy, but I got to have a hat for the inauguration. Well, I take it back to my hotel, and uh, to make a long story short, uh, we had a emerg health emergency uh, with in our family, and I had to rush over to UCLA Hospital, and um, I left the hat there. When I came back, it had been stolen out of my room. My computer was there. Everything they just saw it was brand new hat and hat boxes. And the reason I was in that hotel is I was doing a, a Bible study for Hollywood producers at the time, and so the the producer of the Shrek series and producer of the Star Trek series, and X-Men, they were all in a Bible study with me. When I go back to the hotel that they'd got me for this study, it was stolen. Well, I really didn't want to buy another hat because I thought, I already spent a lot of money and I will never wear it again. Ten days later, I get this hat in the mail, beautiful Hamburg hat. 
that you're looking at here and a handwritten note from my mentor and said, Dear Rick, you know I love you like a son. I wore this hat to, I don't remember how many it was, 11 inaugurations or whatever. He said, it's your time now. You're the man. Wear the hat. Love, Billy. This is Billy Graham's hat. And I go, oh, God, please don't make my head be too big for Billy Graham's hat. I couldn't handle the shame. Warren has such an ego that he can't wear Billy Graham's hat. So I walked in, and I I put it on, and it actually fit. So this went to another inauguration. I wore Graham's hat to another inauguration. Now, here's the funny part of the story. We're sitting on the Capitol steps. It's the largest inauguration history. It's a million people. On the front row, here is President Bush's family, and here's President Obama's family. That's the front row. Second row is all the former presidents. Clinton, Carter, Bush, one, all the former presidents. Third row, sitting next to me, is Chief Justice Roberts, who's going to do the vow. Me, who's going to do the prayer. Kay, and the rest of the row is Secret Service watching the front two rows. So we've got the best seats in the house. Now, right behind me is sitting Aretha Franklin, who's going to sing the national anthem. She's dressed all up in a bundle. She's all dressed up. She's got a hat that's about as tall as March Simpson's hair. It goes straight up. She turns around and goes, Rick, you got to pray for me. I don't like the cold, and I've got a cold, and I don't know I'm going to have a voice. Aretha, you'll do fine, but I'll pray. So I prayed with her right there. Now, I had done my homework, and I said, Aretha, I happen to know, because I knew she was going to, I want to know who was on the program. I happen to know that your daddy was a Baptist pastor, and he marched in Detroit with this guy here. I'm pointing to a statue of Martin Luther King across from the Billy Graham uh, stuff. And I said, Martin Luther King, he marched with Dr. King in, uh, in Detroit. And you came with your daddy to the I Have a Dream speech right down there. So I said, as a black woman, what are you feeling right now? Watching the first African-American guy get inaugurated. What, what are you feeling? And she pauses and she says, well, Rick, I'm cold. (laughs) I'm cold. (laughs) And so anyway, they took a picture, 360 degree picture of what a million people look like. I don't know. I must have moved when when they took this picture because Kay calls me one day. She's at the Smithsonian for African-American heritage. And she says, there's a picture of that inauguration. It's 20 feet tall covering a wall. And we're all in it because it's the picture of us. And she said, Chief Justice Roberts is perfectly clear. On the other side of you, I'm perfectly clear. But Billy Graham's hat is suspended up here in space, somewhere in the middle of space. Up to your neck is clear, and on top of your neck is Aretha's hat. So your face isn't in the picture. So I can't actually prove. So I said, that's the model in the in the face. That's the picture that's in this. So I can't actually prove it. But then I told uh, uh, Aretha, I said, you know, Aretha, this is a big deal to now get to do. I'm, besides Billy Graham, I'm the only guy who's ever prayed for a Democrat and a Republican. But I said, actually, the day before was a bigger deal to me. Because yesterday was the 40th anniversary of Dr. King's death in Martin Luther King Day and the King family. I was in Atlanta where the King family invited me to be the first white guy to preach in Dr. King's church, Ebenezer Baptist Church. So yesterday I did the service for the 40th anniversary of Dr. King. And that was a bigger deal because that guy was a pastor. Okay. He had, he had, this guy's a politician. This guy's a pastor. And that me, and he's a Baptist pastor. And it meant more to me to be there. So that night I spent the night, uh, with, um, 
Dan Cathy, head of Chick-fil-A. And the next day, he let me fly up with him on the Chick-fil-A jet. That's how I got to the thing the next day. The, these are different things I've collected uh, of uh, anti-slavery abolitionists. This is a uh, abolitionist 150-year-old medallion, and it's got a, a black guy in chains, and here around it it says, am I not a man and your brother? Mm-hmm. And they would sell these, and then, and then they would use that for the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. 75 years later, this one's from England during Wilberforce, and it's got a woman, black woman in chains on her knees, and it says on the coin, am I not a woman and your sister? So this is John Brown, who basically started the Civil War, have a bunch of different, I have several autographed things from Dr. King, including a letter. This is a Catholic section, and who started your church, and it's got all the heretics on it, okay? So it's got, well, Jesus started ours in, you know, AD zero, but then uh, Martin Luther, 1517, started this, and Henry VIII started the Anglican, and Calvin started the Calvinists, and not started the Presbyterian. You get up to the top. Rick Warren, 1980, started a Saddleback. I'm on the list of heretics. <laughs> That's this is my most prized possession. This is William Booth, founded the Salvation Army. This is their highest award, the Salvation Army Award, called the Evangeline Booth Award, and they give it only twice to non-Salvation Army people for humanitarian effort. One of them was given to Billy Graham, the other was to me. So that's a big deal to me. This is my political section here. See how all the presidents have signed their books. In my lifetime, these are covers of Time magazine. I've had the presidents in my lifetime. Here's uh, sign it, uh, you know, Ford and, and uh, Johnson, Carter, and uh, Bush one, and... Uh, Clinton, Bush, uh, this was when these two guys did the debate here, Obama. I actually have uh, uh, the last two presidents, they're just not out here, but um, the only one I don't have is uh, Reagan, but Reagan was my governor, and I have a picture of Reagan wearing a saddleback cap. So this is John, King John, who's signing the Magna Carta. Mm -hmm. This is my Jewish shelf. Einstein and and uh, different. This is the actual Ark of the Covenant right here. It's beautiful. Ah, okay. These are these are all the alb- the the guitars that I played, the drums I played growing up. Do you play guitar now? Yes, yes, oh, still I do. Know yeah, this is called a, a magic lantern, which they used to. Let's see. There's David in the, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, everything in here has a story. You've been listening in on part two of my conversation with Rick Warren. It's been a walking tour of his remarkable library. I think it adds an important dimension to the story we started in part one, which is a look back at the life and career of one of America's best-known pastors. As I mentioned in part one, you can hear my 2014 interview with Rick Warren by going to the Listening In Archive. It's one of about 500 long-form interviews that I've done over the past nine years for World News Group. I should add, too, that this is not the first time that I've toured a library as part of my Listening In interview. Back in 2013, I interviewed filmmaker Ron Maxwell about his movies Gettysburg and Gods and Generals. And that interview included a tour of his 10,000-volume library. My interview with pastor and then Southern Baptist Convention President J.D. Greer 
also included a tour of his library. You can find both of these interviews and those library tours by going to the Listening In Archive. That's WNG.org, and then use the search engine at the top of the page. Listening In comes to you from World News Group, and this program is just one of the many podcasts and publications available. To find out more about our complete family of products, visit WNG.org slash subscribe. I hope you'll tune in next week to hear my conversation with Christopher Watkin. It will be the final interview of this fall season, and I don't want to say that we've been saving the best for last because we've had some pretty great guests on this season. But Chris Watkins' new book, Biblical Critical Theory, has ended up on several best of lists for 2022. It's truly a great book, and my conversation with Chris is one that I think you won't want to miss. The producer for today's program is Paul Butler. Johnny Franklin is the technical producer. I'm your host, Warren Smith, and you've been listening in. Now We Live invites and equips Christians to propel faith into action. This free worldview Bible study will spark rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions. Watch Summit Ministries worldview video series for free at summit.org slash listening in. These six videos from Summit Ministries offer life-on-life discipleship for churches, small groups, and families. Get free access today at summit.org slash listening in.